0: Fantastic. All right, let's pray, and we'll, we'll chat a little bit. Uh, Father, we, um, we want to praise you. Um, in the midst of our busy lives, Father, it is, uh, we have a hard time slowing down and stopping. Um, and so, Father, I pray that you would just allow us to do that just for a little, uh, little bit today. Father, as we look at your word um, and how it should be encouraging uh, to what you are doing in and through us and ultimately what you will do Father, we want to stand on those promises and live uh, through them. And so, Father, as you would you speak to us and would you allow us to speak to one another that our hearts would be encouraged and that we would be urged uh, to live the life that you've called us to. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So we've um, got a couple more weeks. Uh, Romans 8. Uh, 29 and 30 today, and so I think we have um, about three more weeks in the study before the end of the semester. I think the fifth will be our last um, lunch for the semester, and we'll take a little break. Um, today we're going to uh, kind of work through our scripture a little bit differently and that I want you guys uh, to engage a little bit with how we engage with scripture. Uh, so I know in conversations that I've had with you, and that I've hearkened back to you know, college was the time when I began uh, to engage with scripture. I did not read my Bible before college. And so a lot of times as we're seeking to do that um, during the week, a lot of times we don't know kind of where to start or what to do. And so I wanted to spend uh, a little bit of time because I think this is a a helpful passage to make a couple points about how we read and why we need to engage the way we need to. Uh, So we'll take a, a few minutes to do that. And then lastly, we're gonna end with uh, talking about uh, the idea of renewal and transition. Um, why we want to do that is because post-spring break, uh, I mean post-fall uh, retreat, you know, many of you have had some great conversations about how God is working in your heart, uh, wanting uh, you to make some changes, but those changes are obviously very difficult. And so we want to talk about, so what, what does it look like for me to transition from a kind of a life of complacency to a life that God wants me to? Uh, to begin to engage in uh, further. And so uh, we'll end with uh, kind of a few thoughts on there. All right, so Romans 28, 29, and 30. So we've been building up to uh, our victory in Christ, and these last from here are going on down, starting with kind of verse Roman uh, 8, 28, right, where we think about the good that he purposes for those that are called according to his purpose, right? That God is working right in the background to do all the things um, that he plans on doing through you. And so we want, to, we want to hold that promise, but then we also want to continue to see, well, how does he need to encourage us? Because in the midst of our prosperity, in the midst of the things that we have going on in the midst of our busyness, we constantly need to be encouraged. And so I think uh, uh, Wes's challenge to us today was very pertinent, right? Like, do we see ourselves as sick? <laughs> Right, or do we see ourselves as healthy? Do we need to understand that we've got changes to make, and that we need to figure out like what does this look like to actually make uh, these changes? Anybody made changes in their lives before? Super easy, right? Feels like pulling off like a band aid, except a thousand times worse. <laughs> yep. Uh, changing is one of the hardest things we do and yet God promises. right it's not it's not in our power that does it but he wants to give us a new heart and a new spirit and that he is in that if we understand that there is change to be made and as we look at this then I want us to uh, see this verse right for what uh, for what Paul means it to be and so verse 29 we'll start For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he he also glorified. Aren't we excited that Paul said all the big words that he's ever said in the rest of Romans in this one verse? (laughs) Like, yes! Oh, wait, we have to unpack that. We've been unpacking this stuff for the um, for the better part of the semester, and so I want you uh, I want you to kind of think as you read this, and I want you to, and this is our kind of first discussion amongst yourselves. I want you to think about okay, how do I typically read this, and then today I want to look at this as if I've never looked at it before. I don't want you to come with any preconceptions about well, this teaches election or predestination or any of the rest of it. I want you to just look at it. For face value like you've never seen it before and i want you to talk about what uh, and ask yourself what is paul trying to communicate to me to encourage me to live the life that god's called me to live so if i read that how is paul trying to encourage me through these words to live the life that god's called me to all right so take a minute and do that how is paul trying to encourage me to live the life god's called me to live in these two verses <laughs> All right. All right. What do we think? How is trying? Uh, how is Paul trying to encourage us to live the life that God's called us to here? Good stuff. Well done. Somebody else? <laughs> you wouldn't dare. All right. Linda. So I want us to um, thank you for, for sharing. When we're looking at this, I think this is one of those verses um, where we can kind of gloss over a little bit if we're reading it for ourselves when somebody's not, when somebody's not um, kind of helping us work through it. But this is something that I want you to fight for, right? Because as we look at any particular scripture, right, I need to understand what is this information telling me and then what is the message of it? Okay? So if you're taking notes, so this is the question: What's the information, right? That the um, that this uh, verse is uh, letting me know about, right? Or the uh, author is, but then also, what is the message that I need to understand, right? Because truth, right, is something I need uh, is typically something I need to do something with. So I'm going to use a quick example, uh, and hopefully this will. Uh, makes sense. So, so let's say anytime I say anything informational, okay, then um, then you've got to uh, engage with it depending upon if that information is relevant to you. So let's say I say uh, I'm a little awkward and I just blurt out 98.6 degrees with no context whatsoever. <laughs> so maybe you need a little bit more information. Correct. Right, what is 98.6 degrees? Anybody know? It's, our, it's our, the temperature that our body should be. <laughs> now think about how we read scripture oftentimes. As I kind of passively, I just kind of look at it and it kind of you know, throws itself at me and I'm like, I don't know what to do with it. And then I shut my Bible and I kind of go, I move forward. But as I said that information to you, we kind of should be curious about, well, like, why did you say that? <laughs> 98.6 degrees, okay, so like are you trying to communicate something, tap, you know, twice for yes, you know, blink your eyes uh, if you want me to understand something, if I add a little bit more context to it, right, my temperature is 98.6 degrees, <laughs> what does that tell you, right, I've all, all I have said is information, but in our current world, right, what are some, what are some What's the message, what are some messages that you can hear through that truth if that is actually true? No. I don't have the coronavirus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what else? I'm safe, right? I don't have to keep my distance from that person. This person is concerned about that. Right, there's probably 10 or 15 kind of things that we can glean from me just telling you that information. And so when we come to God's truth, don't it's not okay just to like read the words and say, okay, fine, thanks. I mean, if you don't, God, if you don't jump it in there and you make it make connections, then then I'm not going to. We're kind of waiting for God to kind of right to make it make sense to us or make it relevant. No, you need to do that. God said it. It's your job to figure out why it's relevant. So as we look at something like this, right? that, that this is something we can easily come to in Scripture and gloss over, hey, there's a, there's a bunch of, I've seen a lot of those words, and all those words are scary. I think I know what that one means, but hey, what does it matter if I figure it out? What is what are your concerns as you come to scripture and you read something like this? Why, why why do we struggle to engage with it? Be honest with me. Yes. I'll be honest, I have a hard time with the King Danger, even though I really like to do that one. Yeah. yeah. There there's ways that we can get uh, get some you know different Words there, but that's why we have different translations, right? To find one that you can uh, can read, or not get frustrated with, right? Somebody else. And even if you have understanding, it's not necessarily just because you see it doesn't mean it's applicable straight directly. You have to think about how it works, and even if you can comprehend it, it's just like, what do I do with this information? Exactly. But I think that that it really is the fight, right? What God is saying is as I'm coming, trying to give truth that I need to care enough, right, to fight with it. Because typically I'm not. You said, you want me to read your word? It's kind of like, hey, you want me to show up to detention? <laughs> well, I'm here. And we're not trying to put any, forth any more effort to that. I say that because that is how I came to Scripture, right, before God began to convict me uh, about me seeking right his truth and what what uh, what application should it have for my life somebody else <laughs> Yep. <laughs> there's three definitions dang it Please don't mean that. Please don't mean that. Let me look up as many things as I can so that it doesn't have to mean that. That's good. All right, one more. What are difficulties with kind of dry passages, seemingly dry passages like this? Yeah. Thank you guys for being so honest. Yeah, all those things are kind of our difficulties, right? When looking um, at a particular passage. Psalm, you don't have turn here, but um, if you want to write this in your notes, Psalm 119.7. And we'll go back to 6. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. So, Psalm 119 is a psalm about God's word and about what we should do to it and how uh, and the kind of the importance of engaging with it. But we need to look at God's word. like it's something that I've got to, that I've got to uh, fight for. So when, like as I was, am I relating to when I learn it, right? Like anything that you've ever done that you've appreciated, right? Or you've worked for, right? You had to learn and it never, learning does not come passively. And so here, right, this is uh, that our task is, like I, can't, I, can, I cannot continue to come to scripture passively. I can't do that. Um, that's not what it's meant to do. I've got to intake it, and I've got to work for it. Right, so it's not overly difficult to read the words of an English Bible to get the information from its pages. The difficulty is understanding their intended message. And so real quick, as we kind of uh, just um, dive into what we're uh, going to finish up with, right? we need to, this idea of authorial intent is really, really important. Like, I've got to figure out, well, what is Paul trying to, there's an author of this passage, right? What is Paul trying to get to me? If I wrote you guys a letter or a text, right, uh, we do that pretty good. What is their intention? Like, what, what are these words? What are these emojis in this particular, uh, in this particular order? Let me, you know, pour over them and just like, you know, exegete <laughs> this text message. We need to come to God's word in that same thing. Like, I've got to work for getting out what He wants me to get out. What does it matter that there's an author behind the words? So this is Romans, it's not just like stamped and printed and sent out and like good luck with it. But a guy, Paul's writing to the Roman church, and he's trying to, they're real people with real problems and a real Savior, and he wants them to help understand how this real Savior meets real problems. And so when he says in 29 and 30, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What is our brother Paul trying to encourage us with? The the things that you said and more that we have a God who loves us and is doing everything in his power to make true what he said is true. That as I read that, am I among those people? Am I who he foreknew? And if he foreknew me, then he predestined me to look like his son. Do I care? What does that do in the midst of I've got three tests this week? And I read that He has predestined me to conform, be conformed to the image of His Son. What does that truth do to me as I will let it? So you have three tests, but He's saying, But this is more important. Not that you just stop studying, but I need you not be defined by your three tests, I need you to be defined by this. I have predestined you to be conformed to the image of He has predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. He has predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. What do we think about all day? Think about the things that you think about all day. There's no trick here. You think about this, he wants you to think about this. Think about all the stuff you think about all day things that make you angry make you happy, make you sad, make you sleepy, make you hungry, make you worried, make you excited? Do we let God's truth or I have its way with us? There's nothing more to do with it than to consider it and to read it and to ponder it and to think about it. And it's like, if this is true, then how does that change my life? How does that change right now as I'm eating some SpaghettiOs and I remember? Does anybody eat SpaghettiOs anymore? You're like, no, I don't even know what that is. As you're eating your Chipotle, <laughs> God has predestined me to be conformed to the image of His Son. How does that change your life? Because it can. As I'm eating my Chipotle, as I'm clicking next on the Netflix, he has predestined me to become conformed to the image of his son. It is my job as I engage with that. Right, what is the relevance to me? It's a matter of perspective, isn't it? So the second thing as we're looking at the Scripture, I want you to understand perspective. In this debate kind of between free will and, um, and not free will, we'll say. The Bible talks about both of these things. So I wanna, here is what I want us to understand is that sometimes he talk, uh, the authors talk about uh, these things from God's perspective. And sometimes it talks about these things from man's perspective. Whose perspective is this passage from? What is the perspective that Paul is trying to give us in 29 and 30? We know it from the pronouns. Who's doing the stuff? God. God. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined. So that he would be the firstborn among me, brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. All right? This is from God's perspective. All right? That God is working for you. We are so, so self-centered. I am so, so self-centered. I need to be reminded of what God is doing. Amen? Because all I think about all day long is what I'm doing and what I got to do. What's God doing there? I need to. I need that. But as we see from God's perspective, then what does that, what does that do for us? It tells us that we're not the only people that have things going on, right? But then as we look, in, uh, look at something like Acts six thirty, we have the Philippian jailer asking you know what must I do to be saved and we hear a response maybe in something like Acts 2 where we hear the gospel and the people cut to the quick and they're and they're saying what do I do and Peter says repent and be baptized see as God is working right he also that, the, the other perspective is that we have responsibility within that, right? I've got responsibility to figure out what God is saying to me, right? As he is sovereign and gives me the information for me to deal with. Both of those perspectives are so, are so important as we read his scripture. That it is a matter of perspective. What's wrong? What's hard about your perspective? Share with me. What's hard about maintaining a perspective that keeps God included? The world will tell us so many other things in schools don't know God and they can interact and they tell us follow your heart. We do talk about our retreat. Absolutely. that's not true. And the world can be deceiving the only person that we should choose is God. So... So if you're, if you're having an hour-long conversation with somebody that is not a follower of Christ, what percentage of the conversation uh, are they giving you that as perspective, that's God's perspective? Zero. So as you're engaging in that all day long, how much of God's perspective are you getting? <laughs> so if they're not giving it to you and you're not getting it, in the word then how are you getting God's perspective? Do you need more of God's perspective or less of God's perspective in your life? <laughs> and yet the very practical ways that we receive it we're not trying to get it. Like we we want it but are we willing to do what we need to do to get it? We've already learned as I just open my Bible and read it, it doesn't jump in my mouth and in my heart. Does it? Because we've tried that. That doesn't work. So if we've seen what, how it doesn't work right, then we need to do something different. So let's look at then of what it means to uh, finish up here as it relates to uh, God's well-being my constant concern and we're going to end with kind of what I mean by this uh, kind of transition piece so 2nd um, Corinthians 4.4 4. and the, the thing this is good for kind of summarizing what what we just talked about there 2nd Corinthians 4.4 4. And so Paul here is the author of this uh, letter as well, and he says, In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Uh And it's talking about this idea of perspectives. Right, that as we have the world's perspective all day long, and whatever that I'm intaking or engaging in, right, as I have uh, the world's perspective, I don't have God's. Right? And so I'm constantly being fed, right and, and my life is being colored by right the world's perspective. Right? In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Right Your struggle every day is to care about what God cares about. Amen. And yet if we are not Um, if we're not fighting for God's perspective, which is what we have to do even when we come to Scripture, what is the relevance of this to me? Then I'm not going to be able to have God's perspective. It's really a simple math equation. (laughs) It's an intake issue. Your struggle and my struggle every day is to care about what God cares about. And so as I lean over in bed and I grab my phone and I'm sitting there scrolling and I'm figuring out not only did the Celtics lose last night, daggum it, right? But I wanna sit there and pour over why they lost. <laughs> and I read all the articles that are uh, setting me up for uh, for uh, they should have done this substitution pattern, this. Like I'm really invested, right, in why the why the Celtics lost a Um, a regular season game to the Cavaliers. right? I'm exegeting the box score. (laughs) And so I'm fighting for that perspective. But if I want God's perspective, I've got to not, I, I, I can't just fight for his perspective on that side of that perspective. I've got to stop fighting for that perspective. I've got to quit looking up the box score, because I need to care less. Amen? And I need to be okay with, if I randomly read the one article, that that's enough. Because I've got other perspective that I need, and it's God's, and I need to go after that. Do you understand? Like, There's a real tangible, like I've got to stop scrolling there, and I've got to go somewhere else. I've got to put the phone down. Or open up the Bible app instead of doing that thing and then I've got to fight for God's truth because I need that perspective in my life. And it doesn't come easy and it's not cheap. And so then, Matthew 4, 9 says, God needs you. He's sharing the parable in this particular one. He says it most often when he tells the parable of the sower uh, but this is just one particular reference here uh, remember reading a parable of god uh, jesus is then says he who has ears to hear let him hear what is jesus trying to communicate to us about perspective and about our lack of perspective when he's calling us to like if you have ears i want you to understand what i'm saying to you what's he communicating there he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Alex. It's like our natural response to not response. That's right. Why? It's like we're so with quality, it's like, our natural inclination is to have a worldly perspective. And he's trying to teach me heavenly things. Do you care to have an ear who wants to hear heavenly things? You can, but do you want to? A uh, great book. I've got lots of copies of this. Uh, maybe you can read it over the break because it's pretty meaty. Uh, There's a book called Reappearing Church. And in it, he, um, this is we'll end with this. And in it, he talks about um, this kind of model of renewal. And as I've taught with you, many of you want renewal in your life. And so, but that's where you are. I want it, and I don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> Amen? Right? I want it. And so most of the book, he uh, kind of works through this process. And, so, and I want to kind of tell you where you are and then where we kind of get stuck and then we'll, uh, we'll end. Uh. So the, the first thing really is this idea of holy discontent. And so this is where a lot of you are. This is where a lot of you were at our retreat. This is where a lot of you have been over the past year and a half. And uh, go forward um, one, and it's kind of uh, highlight some of these phrases. We'll just go over like the first couple. Right, so the first one, the holy discontent, right, see if this has described you in the past, right? There's a deep sense of uh, dissatisfaction with the low state of our faith, uh, the church, or our culture. A deep sense, right, of dissatisfaction with the low state of our faith, the church, and the culture, right? I, I want something to change i am discontent with the status quo and what what we mean by that is it can be like hey uh it's not to like be mad and leave it's like okay so my faith is not what i want it to be all right so i so I'm, i'm ready for change or the church is not what i think god wants to be okay so who's who can contribute to that well me right i'm a part of the church i can be better and then lastly, let's say the culture, that's the culture we live in, is the culture that we're following satisfying you. And to a man, you say over and over, no, yet we're not doing anything differently. And So here's the couple things that I just want to bring to your attention and they're worth mentioning and worth you understanding. So holy discontent's nothing other than I'm dissatisfied. I'm just, I'm dissatisfied. The second thing is preparation. And this is the deep work of preparation that God undertakes in the hearts of those He wishes to fill with His presence. This is where the kind of uh, the fighting for God's truth is right. This is the preparation. What's in my heart? Can I get something else in my heart? That there's work here. Work. There's work in preparation. I've got to root out right the things that I don't want why don't I, why do I want the things I want right? This is a lot of the questions we were asking at um at Fall retreat and if that's uh someplace you couldn't be we have um I'd love to have a super long conversation with you about it. The third phase talks about is contending. I think this one somehow got repeatedn't it it did so all this is 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 understanding that I've got to, right, along with others, because I can't do it myself, that I've got to find others of you that, who want to do the same thing. And we're going to contend together for different in our lives. So it's not wanting different and it's not preparing. Here it is like we're actually fighting together, right, for the new that God wants. Contending. Walked arm in arm. Pushing forward, and then lastly, the last thing I just want to mention here is these holy patterns. Is that I'm going to reorient my life around patterns that enable us to live and operate in God's presence. I have holy patterns. You have holy. Uh, you have patterns. I have patterns that keep me from operating and being enabled to live in God's presence. So as I think about what it's going to take for me to right have renewal. That that's the process. It's not different than that. Every one of you, like that, is what it looks like to change. So here's the last piece I want to to tell you about, and this this idea of transition. Because in wanting that, right, there's this transitioning from not doing it to doing it, and so there's these three phases in transition. And I'll take questions, and we'll we'll close our uh, our time here. So the first thing, and this is from um, William Bridges, talking about managing transitions, but this is so helpful. So the first phase in the transition, I've got to let go of the old ways and the old identity, right, that we have. You, right now, identify yourself a particular way, and you do things to uphold that. And I've got to let that go. That's the only way I transition. If I don't do this, I'm just going to be where I am. You understand that? Like to transition, I've got to be like, Caleb, hold my hand. Is that okay? Hold my hand. All right? So if if I'm holding his hand, okay, and I want to hold Matthew's hand, right, I've got to transition, right, to do the new thing. That seems like a, a dumb thing to show you, but so, so much of our lives, right, like you've tried this your whole life, and I know this because I've tried this my whole life, right, is I want to do the new thing, right, like this. Amen? I, don't make me I let go of this thing. That's not a transition, you understand? God can't do anything with that. Because you think, right, that you're gonna continue so, uh, to uh, overtake his authority. <laughs> because here's my authority and here's his. I want to, whenever his authority comes up, right, I'm always going to choose my authority. I'm never going to actually transition. This first phase of transition is an ending. Anybody love things to end? No. Sometimes, if it's terrible. Yeah. if you lose if you lose your life for my sake you will find it this is this idea of transition right that something has to end for something new to begin and I've got to really hate that other thing before I'll let go of it right right And here's where we come in as a community. A lot of you are, are, are right here. You're trying to decide if I'm going to let go of the thing. Right? I know you. <laughs> you're, you're waiting to let go. You need help letting go. Every one of you. I need help in letting go. I need your help. And to see this last part, because you're dealing with loss right that there's this period like where I've got to grieve that thing because that's my, been my life and we are not sensitive to that in people's lives you understand that that's the biggest deal for you to make any kind of slight transition think about this as I give up my own life and I run towards Christ not knowing what this looks like that that's a big deal and they're not good at it. <laughs> Number two, there's gonna be this in-between time when the old is gone but the new is not fully operational. Here's what I'm trying to realign and get new patterns. This is why we get frustrated with each other. Didn't you say that you wanted to? Mikhail, I'm trying, okay? Right that as we get frustrated with each other's sin. Right that this is what's happening when we're trying to do this transition. Right, most of you this is the time when you're trying to figure these things out. Am I going to really live for Christ? This is why we struggle and this is why we struggle with one another because we don't have grace and don't understand like how hard this process is. Amen. We don't give ourselves grace, right? We don't give other people grace. Nobody knows what they're doing, okay? And lastly, there's this period of coming out of this transition to make a new beginning. This is when people develop the new identity, experience the new energy, discover the new sense of purpose that makes change begin to work. I need you to think about, there's a lot of stuff kind of hung on you this morning. But basically, right, to recap as we close here, is that the Bible and God's truth is not going to come easy, right? But we've got to sit there and work for, well, what does this mean? What does this information, right, mean in real time, in real language? And I've got to understand then that if, I've, if I'm going to be renewed, right, that it follows this pattern. This is the biblical pattern. And then understand that as I transition, right, that it's going to be hard all of us and that's what it takes community to work through what those things look like all right so questions uh, about that is that helpful is that encouraging okay god wants you right to live new life but he's also under uh no kind of A false understanding of how hard that is for you, and that's why we're here, is to help walk you through this process. But we've got to, again, transition (laughs) out of our old life and into the new one. Questions. For the group. Clarifying question. It'll be really helpful. I don't have this question. (laughs) That's my favorite. This is not a question for me, but it's for someone else. Let's have one clarifying question. I know you got some things spinning. Yes, sir? What's like some good habits for the preparation phase as a Christian? Would that be like if you consistently, reading poor, consistently, writing consistently, Godlike? What are some like, good habits to develop the preparation? I think, the, uh, I think two things on a very basic level. One is to open your Bible and to fight for the truth that's in there. You don't need to do large swaths of it. Just pick something and fight for it, as small as you can possibly manage. The second thing is just spending time with God. We don't want to be transactional with Him. If you have a good friend you want to spend time with Him, what do you do? You make an appointment and you sit there. That's what I need you to do with God. I need you to make an appointment with Him and I need you to sit there. Don't do anything else. Listen and speak. Just like you would do with your friend. Listen and speak. Reading His Word is a different thing at this point. Okay, that's not the same thing. If we get together, right, and I read a book in front of you, <laughs> is that being with you? No, but what if the book's about you? Still. Still not it. All right. We'll awkwardly in there. Uh, Father, as we... Uh, as we think about um, renewal in our lives, uh, father, there's nothing um, There's nothing outside of renewal that you aren't in. And father, I think we make it just so much so complicated. I've talked to so many people in this room and, and folks that uh, are not here this morning that they want you, Father. They just don't know how to get you. And so, Lord, would you hear the cry of our heart that we want you? But, Father, also, would you, as we listen, would you tell them, I'm right here. I just need you to work harder to really understand what I need you to do. Because the ways that we have been trying to engage with you haven't been working. And yet your word tells us very plainly, what that looks like. And so, Father, would we begin to understand what that looks like? Begin to understand that I need to transition out of my old life and into the new one that you're calling me into, that that's going to take work and that's going to take this community, and it's going to take a whole lot of honesty about doing things that we're not very good at. And so, Lord, would you begin to help us honestly do that. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.